EST 2016. This is interviews, music reviews, and more. This is, this is The Hotter Show. What is up, everybody? We are rolling out of you here today on episode 392 of The Hotter Show. I hope you guys are doing absolutely fantastic. Thank you so very much for tuning in and clicking that play button on today's episode of the podcast. I've got a kick-ass episode for you here today as I sit down with my new buddy, Zach Smith, the bass player of the Mighty Pound of Flesh, as we have just a wonderful time talking all about his career, his start in music, what got him into playing, some really wonderful stories about his kind of the early days of playing music, how we joined Pound of Flesh, how he helped kind of shape the band with their live performance and how he is such a big part of that, as well as a bunch of fun tangents about music, specifically about Metallica and uh, our mutual love of Jason Newstead. And also actually Mike Mushock of Stain, if you can believe that. So <laughs> a really fun conversation with Zach, and I hope that you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Before we jump into that, though, I, of course, want to thank everybody for their support on the last episode of The Harder Show, my chat with Ev Gallows from Judgment. A really wonderful conversation. Always great getting to catch up with my boy, Ev from Judgment. They're killing it right now. Go check them out. They thoroughly deserve your support. And big thank you again, Ev, for coming on the show, brother. Always a pleasure getting to chat with you. With that, we're ready to roll into today's episode, my chat with Zach Smith from the Mighty Pound of Flesh. Let's get into it. All right, guys, we're here with Zach Smith from the almighty pound of flesh, the man hanging down on the low end of things. Zach, man, what's up, brother? How you doing? I'm not bad, man. I'm not bad. How are you? I'm not doing too bad, man. Happy we were able to uh, link up and make this happen today. Yeah, it's going to be rocking. I'm looking forward to it. But well, listen, first and foremost, I got to say the new single Black Mirror it's fucking awesome dude i'm super hyped on it and i know that you guys have been playing tons of shows locally and stuff like that and the single is absolutely killer dude how how happy are you that that single's finally out uh i'm i'm, I'm pretty happy with it um black mirror is pretty sick and the best part is is um there's there's no actual bass on it so and let me explain it's a it's just a midi bass just kind of I think it's Jim Bass. It's just based off of a Dingwall, which obviously, like we both know, I used to play. But it kind of set a groundwork. Like I didn't, I didn't even have to write anything. You know how awesome that is. <laughs> like that, that that comes across as like not um, a very good thing. But I'm a particularly lazy musician, so when they come to me and they go, "Hey, this is already done," I'm like, "Cool, let's do it." <laughs> So then you can and just come awesome. in and play it live and just hang out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> ultimately, every single time it gets re-recorded anyway. And if they want something different, they're like, do this. Um, I just have to do it that way. But Black Mirror is fantastic. Uh, almost nobody has noticed that it was a MIDI bass. And and I think that's just fantastic in and of itself. The, the, the revolution of midi instruments you know from way back when and even now there's a bunch of records that i really really like that has had midi bass on it and it's kind of had to make me step up as a musician myself i think that's what's so wild about the whole like midi instrument thing is like you can have 
it, I think it was uh, the boys in Seagrave where when I found out that literally like all the drums are MIDI and all the bass is MIDI, basically. I was like, Ooh. oh, yeah. like I was shocked because I was like, dude, it sounds mint. And they're like, yeah, why do you think we did it that way? Like, yeah, absolutely. It saves you so much money. <laughs> well, it's it's a budget thing. Um, it's a performance thing, but it's also kind of like an aesthetic thing. I, I'm finding a lot of heavier bands especially in like the hardcore stuff or even um this band i really like dragged under i i am assuming you know them like it's a youtuber band but they used a midi bass of uh, again a dingwall for i think it was called the world is in your way and i practice that all the time it it really makes you kind of hyper focus and you kind of have to be a better player because people hear it live and they go, Oh wow, cool. That sounds a little sloppy. So it's, it's a blessing and a curse, especially if you're one of those people with a big ego and you're like, I need to have this. Like I need my performance on record. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like almost like a blessing and a curse, right? Cause you're like, Absolutely. Oh, I, I can get that. That's what would, it would terrify me if i had someone else like kind of write my parts and stuff i was like well shit bro what if i can't play that <laughs> like <it's, laughs> so kudos to you for for being into it because i'd be i'd be freaking out the whole time man i'm like ah like oh yeah absolutely <laughs> and i think another thing and especially being in a band with five other big personalities is it's you know it's midi bass like it's not something that i have to take personally it's not an attack on me like i hear praises from them even though i think i'm probably like a six out of ten in the bass department no bro you're a 10 but, out of 10 bro i saw you play live come on <laughs> i appreciate don't be it mod be, don't be modest no no i i am i'm very shy people come up to me and they're like you're fantastic i've never heard someone like get a timbre from bases like that before i'm like thank you but please reconsider please reconsider um, <laughs> But no, no, like say like Shane and Zach write a lot of the songs and I have guitar riffs and stuff that I contribute or like compositional ideas that I contribute all the time. But when they go, oh yeah, here's the bass part. I don't go, you know what I mean? Like I think think that should be an F sharp major here. No. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The only thing that I had that was, um, I guess, my opposition was the tuning lower. So um, we're going back to G sharp just because we couldn't make drop F work. <laughs> I just like just the whole, the whole down tuning thing, bro. Like I, I, I think it's wicked. Don't get me wrong. Cause I'm a student of like baritone guitar and stuff like that was, that oh, was hundred oh, shit. Yeah, like Mike you and I right? talked. Yes. Yes. You and I talked before about stained in Mike Mushock, like, I was raised on that shit, bro. The 2000s era of guitar, like, but even then, like, you know, Mike was tuning down to like, he has some stuff in G and whatnot, but like, I'm also a big seven list fan and they have stuff in like G and F sharp and that. But like, for me, it was like, oh, like drop A and B standard. That's like baritone, right? Oh, so 100%. then now I see guys like, and, and then you got guys like Seagrave who are tuning to like fucking E like but like a full octave down i'm like dude get the fuck out of here like yeah like, <laughs> so, so to the homies but 
Oh, absolutely. Seagrave her are intense and they sound just as monstrous live as they do in the studio. So, you know, you got to give like Ali and Stiv a lot of credit there. The one thing that I will, I guess for me, um, it couldn't really work out because I like to try and keep an octave relationship. Uh, I think it just sounds really, really big. But when you tune down to F, like F zero, the fundamental frequency is like just a bit above 20 hertz, like not not close 21. I think it's like 20.80. I think it's like 83. So fundamentally, it's just noise. So you have to do like the psychoacoustic approach where you get that fundamental out of the way and it's all the harmonics kind of filling in. Um, that's that's the problem I was having with it and it wasn't really working the way that we wanted it to. So we did kind of what Seagrave does and and especially um, Meshuggah comes to mind where the guitar and bass are tuned to the exact same pitch. And it sounds really, really good, but uh, creatively, I guess that's not what we wanted. So we kind of all just looked at each other and we were like, what if we just put everything back in G sharp and, and bam, there it was. It's, it's monstrous. It's huge. It's awesome. I hope you're coming to one of the shows um, this month because it's just going to be big. It's going to be awesome. Well, listen, as we're recording this, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you guys are going to be coming to Urban with uh, with the boys in Seagrave, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, with Seagrave. Uh, I 16th, uh, I think. Yeah, yeah, as yeah, this yeah. Is, Actually, as this is coming, this is going to be out uh, the 15th. So, yeah, it's tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it'll be tomorrow. Oh, fuck, I hope, sure. it's, I hope it's not this. Hang on, I'm going to check that date. Because if it's the 16th, I can't go now. Shit. Sorry, guys, I'm just uh, doing a sidebar here. But wh while we're on the topic of playing live and massive tones and stuff, um, what what are you doing live to be able to achieve that tone that you have? Because you have a killer fucking tone, dude. That was one thing right away I was so curious about when I see bands like yourselves who have such a cool, unique style, but then also I know you're tuning low. You had a really massive bass tone, but it was still really nice and tight. What are you doing to keep that kind of tight response? Oh man, um, it's gonna it's gonna be such a disappointment to um, to kind of disclose what's going on now. Uh, nothing. <laughs> 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 no, so, not a damn thing uh, it's all on the so, fingers bro so uh, no uh, i mean kind of not really uh, from my experience anyway so th the base that i was using was was uh, a chapman base and i i recently came across that that particular model which was the the multi-scale version of dave hollingworth uh from dorje uh they they only made 20 units of that particular model and I had number five. So I think it was the multi-scale that helped out a little bit with keeping things low, but also the minimalist approach. It's literally that base into a tuner, into an amp. That like that's it live. I that's got to have something to do with the multi scale. I would assume, like I, because I, it's so, like I was, I was genuinely like, oh, like he's got a really tight, uh, 
tight response there for being a for tuning down as low as you guys do. That's got to have something to do with it, man. The multi scale oh, or something, I guess. Uh, I'd say I'd say yes. Um, it's not as large as it is, say on on a Dingwall scale. Like mm-hmm. uh, Dingwalls with their thirty seven inch B strings, like you can tune down to what we're tuning down and it's going to have massive tension and massive tone, but this is only about 35 inches. So it's, you know, it only gets you okay. about the extra 10%, but between that and like a really thick string and some good intonation and, and playing technique as well. Uh, I I've modified my technique a little bit. I, I I'm a very aggressive player. I Zach and Shane will, you know, they praise to the heavens, uh, the attack that I have. It's mostly kind of like half between like slapping it and I strike right through the string. So it kind of ricochets off the fretboard and that, that kind of helps out a lot too. So there's not a lot of string warble in my experience, you know, someone's probably going to listen to this and be like, Oh, you know, you know what? That's actually not true. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Basically, so, <laughs> basically, uh-huh. oh, <laughs> so essentially, no, that's that's quite literally all I do. Um, I think a lot of that magic comes from the amplifications because I do two things that are are pretty much really really different from a lot of the sounds that I hear in uh, in, in modern metal. I I don't use a lot of gain. I don't blend the clean signal in either. So it's like just mildly saturated, but I also use a lot of mid range in my tone as well. So I, I find a lot of people are like carving out a lot of frequencies and I'm just like, nah, and I just leave them in. And then uh, I, I beat the bass like it owes me money. <laughs> I like it though. It, you, that was something that with your guys performance, man, I, um, I told the story when I saw you guys at Heavy Lindsay, uh, God, this was a few, a few months ago, I guess now. Um, <laughs> I was, so I was standing right in fr- front center because I really wanted to watch, specifically, I wanted to see Zach's playing because I knew he was a rhythm guy and I'm in love with his guitar. Oh, so yeah. I was like, I wanted to just see that guitar in action. And then also selfishly, I knew Max, uh, there, there might be a chance he has the general, so which is what I used to call that LTD he bought for me. So I was like, I, I just want to see. And, and the biggest surprise for me was the second I heard you hit your first note. I was like, good grief. Like it just, <laughs> I felt it in my chest. I was like, okay. And then with because you, you guys started off with crossroads boogie crossroad boogeyman and like i was i was standing with my phone out and i was recording up like i had my phone up and i was like recording down and literally okay. the second the bass kicked in dude i felt it in my chest and then so did everyone else and everyone else just started mosh pitting yeah and yeah i i, I, very I came out of mosh retirement for a few seconds because it was like not by choice i was like oh shit I'm you just fighting to, for eh? my life in the, like <laughs> in the crosshairs yeah in a good way though it was like i was like oh shit um yeah dude it, it's like it's such a massive tone so it's hilarious to hear that you're you're just like you just got like yeah plug it into a tuner and <laughs> yeah that's that's got to be technique too though it has to be 
a little bit like uh, I, I, yeah. I definitely think the the approach to how I was playing does a lot um so because I'm primarily a pick player and and that's actually it's kind of disappointing because uh, I, I've I've retired the Chapman and I've pulled out another really mid-range heavy base and I'm going back to the pick as well so you're gonna miss it but We'll see something. Uh, hopefully, you can come out to another show or something. And, and yeah, I was just gonna say. I was looking up that, and it is the sixteenth. Unfortunately, I've. Oh, uh, that's terrible! I just started. I just started a new like gig at my job, and I, I work Friday nights now. And I'm just like, uh, ah, so shout out to the is, boys. Man. I'll have to miss it. But everyone who is listening from Peterborough, get the hell out there because it's gonna be a. Uh, you're not gonna survive that show, guys. Like it, it, it's just yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's going to be wild. <laughs> it's going to be wild, man. And everyone's going to be looking forward to seeing you do your thing. But let's go back for a minute here because I'm curious, talking all about you playing bass and, and all that stuff. How did this whole journey with music start for you? What was some of the first music you ever heard? What made you want to pick up an instrument and start playing? Um. So, okay, so this is going to be a bit of a saga, but uh, growing growing up, I heard anything and everything, um, and I got to give a lot of credit to my dad and especially my mom. So, like in the car, I'd be obviously with my mother. My dad would work a lot, and she put on things like you know, like Shania Twain, Avril Lavigne. I heard uh, Fiona Apple. I heard a lot. Um, a lot of women in music at the time, you know, like the 90s, the early 2000s. But my dad, growing up, I heard a lot of a lot of things, like a huge variety. And even now, like I go to his house and, and I, I hear things that I would never normally listen to. So like growing up, I heard like uh, movements uh, from Beethoven symphonies. I heard the Ninth Symphony a lot. Uh, Tupac Shakur, uh, Bob and Ziggy Marley, uh, Grand Funk Railroad, a lot of Motown, uh, Michael Jackson, uh, his solo career, obviously. Just a lot of things. Uh, the Beatles, uh, I first heard the Beatles when I was about nine years old, and that was really, really incredible to me. But um, the huge interest was always there. Uh, I had an MP3 player. I was kind of allowed to keep it at school. I would you know, load it up with like Eminem or other things just just to just to listen to it, just because I like that song and I focus on it like 272 times. It's not like I'm autistic or anything, but uh, <laughs> it, I, I'm I'm serious. Yeah, it, I literally listened to everything, um, and I got super into it. Um, unfortunately, uh, because of a stroke, not my own, but my, my grandfather's, uh, we moved in at our grandparents at the time while we were transitioning from moving from one house to the other. And I guess there was a closure issue or something, but, um, yeah, he had a stroke and it was a, a very traumatizing time and I couldn't sleep, you know, they, there's an ambulance and everything. I was, I was very upset and very distraught. And I found myself early in the morning alone by myself because people were going to school and things. And I think we were allowed to take the day off. And I turn on the TV and it was on much music. 
And the first thing that I see is the music video for Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. So, um, and I, I was bewildered. Like my eyes probably popped out of the socket. It was big, it was theatrical. Um, that was really the first piece of music that I felt a hundred percent with every piece of my body. And unfortunately, you know, that was a signifier for the end for my grandfather. And about a year later, he would have passed away. So as a little tribute, I got the marcher from that record tattooed right on my arm, uh, on, on my picking arm, so that I can play notes the same way that I felt it when I heard them in the beginning. And uh a little further down, I didn't start playing guitar till I was about 11. You know, I always kind of pondered the idea and then I started bugging my parents for it. And I'm like, I want a guitar. I want a guitar. And my dad, uh, he bought me a silver tone Strat copy. I can still see it. It's silver burst. And I learned anything that I could. I learned a lot of punk music. I learned a lot of like old rock tunes and everyone played guitar. And I'm like, well, how am I going to stand out if everyone plays guitar? So I went to my dad and I said, I want a bass. And my dad's like, no, you have a guitar. So I bugged him and bugged him and bugged him and bugged him until Christmas that year. I, I would have been 11. And he got me a Fender Precision bass. And I still have it. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. And um, it got stolen, but it got retrieved. Like that, that thing has its own saga. Um, and at that time, I was really, really into Metallica, especially like the Black Album kind of things. So I saw a lot of Jason Newstead, and I saw he played a lot of Sadowskis, which I thought were Fender basses at the time. So I wanted that. And the the rest was basically history. I got into uh, thrash metal and jazz in high school. I played a little bit in the jazz bands as an extracurricular thing. Uh, country music has always been there as well. Like I said, Shania Twain, my ex-girlfriend is a country musician. I've, I've played with a couple as well. And I don't listen to a lot of heavy music, but when I do, it's, it's kind of disgusting. And that kind of mysteriously kind of led me into Pound of Flesh. There's a lot there to unpack um, that I wanted right? to ask about, just kind of as I was <laughs> listening. And um, one thing that is so wild to hear your story of, uh, you know, turning on uh, Black Parade and that, or Welcome to the Black Parade. Um, that's so cool, man. Just, I just want to say, like, to have that significance of having that tattoo, like, that was such a powerful song and music video, dude, like, of our... Yeah um of our generation especially like that record cannot be understated for how i mean i was in i was uh you know, like in grade 10 when it came out so like i was 11 i've been a little older than you so like i was a teenager when i heard it but like yeah 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 that song and the that whole record that you know signifying kind of the rock opera thing of of death and things of that nature and with what you went through like that's just that's wild i, I guess coincidence isn't quite the right word um, it's it's but i i something. always refer to it as a, a moment of serendipity yes serendipity that's the word i was looking for it, it's just like 
you just happen to turn on the TV and it's like, yeah. And, and that's exactly what it was. Like I, um, you know, I, I tell that story and it, when the, when the words come out of my mouth, it still doesn't feel real, but every time I do, I get the emotion of, you know, a little, nine-year-old zach because that was 2006 uh my, my grandfather passed away when i was 10 that's that's the only way i remember mm-hmm. um I, and i i get that awe every single time it's it's intense it's a very big and raw emotion and i've seen them a couple of times now in concert um the most important one to me was I saw them in Montreal a couple of years ago when they did the reunion tour. And I saw them with some uh, very, very, very close friends of mine who came all the way across the Atlantic to uh, to get some engagement rings. And and I, I went to their wedding a couple of months ago and missed a couple of shows with Pound of Flesh over it. But I wouldn't have changed it for the world because that was such an iconic uh, moment in my life. And, and shout out to Katie and Alex I, I love them to death. And coincidentally, that band is the reason that I know them. <laughs> so my chemical romance has been a, a huge, huge uh, turning point for my life. And it, it always will be. And I don't think their influence would ever go away. Yeah, it's um, that's one of those bands that like uh, in that that era of music is so wild for me bro because like i i was so into like the alternative metal and hard rock scene at that time like the god smacks and stains and things of that nature oh, like absolutely. Talked about before off off mic and stuff but i didn't really truly appreciate my chemical romance until like even like a few years ago like i, I heard that song and that record and i was like this is triple platinum certified record like this is one of the most important records of my generation yeah and i never i, I would argue you know, even for just the alternative scene in general oh 100 100 percent for that emo bro. alternative rock genre especially like mm-hmm. get the fuck out of here like that's you know it, it's such a massive record and being able to see them live like that's that's awesome when you have that connection with a band and specifically a song when you hear a song in a moment in time when you really really need it and you don't even know you need it that's the beauty of music is oh, you can absolutely. have you know you won't know that a song will come into your life when you need it and oh that's 100%, wild that's 100%. wild um yeah it's it's crazy and i think that's why i've always been able to resonate with music so much is is because it is such a a knee-jerk emotional reaction and and it's in such a way that it's it's tied to a memory it's tied to a smell um another song that i have is uh tangled up in you like the aaron lewis song the Dude. stain the stain song yeah um that was a song that i found uh through a very kind of tumultuous time in my adolescence you know i was like seeing a girl things weren't working the best and i'm like and it's so juvenile it's such a juvenile thing but then that person came back into my life um just before covid and it was another routine of it was working but then it wasn't working and 
there it's it's no disrespect to them because i wish them the best and she's amazing she's a wonderful songwriter she's a great great performer and i respect what she does but um that's just someone that can't be in my life anymore and i hear that song and i i think of all the good times of it and then i'm also reminded of all the bad times as well that's so wild that you're saying that because I, I I had such a similar situation, not quite as intense, but like, you know, my first like real relationship out of high school, you know, was oh, right, yeah. right, was like that song was right around that time when that song came out and like that record, or at least the stained version of that song, not the Aaron Lewis version, which is also incredible. It's basically the same song. Um, just more slight guitar. Uh, yeah. Just a little more twang, a little more twang. Yeah. Then, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Mike Mishak doesn't do the doesn't do the slide twang, but uh, yeah, that's it's so cool to be able to e- even if you look back on a moment in your life and a song, and even if it's not necessarily a a, a fully happy thing, mm-hmm. it's like just to be able to have that emotion as soon as you hear second you hear that that first str- that the first picking chord, you're like, oh fuck, like yeah. It's it's really funny because I can listen to the stained song and and feel a little bit of peace, uh, but as soon as as Welcome to the Black Parade comes on, I um like I, I get choked up. There's like sometimes where I just I can't listen to it, but it's such an important piece of like musical history or or for me just in general like i am never not going to shy away from that openness there i'll 100% listen to it but there's a 100% chance that i will tear up and or just flat out cry hearing the song yeah dude there's there's something about having that emotional connection to songs that is like um it's nice to be able to maybe have that moment and sometimes you're like i need to just purge myself right now. I need to just let some emotion out. And you know that, okay, if I turn this song on, it's probably going to bring something out of me that oh, maybe 100%. in that moment you need. A hundred percent. Yeah. Dude. And, and most of that record too, just the black parade in general will, will bring out some sort of emotion like that in me. And it's so funny because, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hear this back after this is finished and I'm going to be like, wow, you sound like every fucking 12 year old that has gone through <laughs> no, man. like a divorce ever. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I do. But this is how it speaks to me and this is what it is. So like get bent, I guess. Dude, my whole, the fact that my genre is now a meme divorce dad rock butt rock, all that stuff. Like hey, it kind of bums me the fuck out sometimes. Cause I'm like, there are kids who like they'll like that music and they'll understand that like, Hey, there's more to it than just, you know, bro- some kind of bravado and heavy guitars and shit for some of it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah. They'll be like, 100%. Oh, but like, if you say like, God forbid, if you're in high school right now and you say you like, like fucking God smack or something. Or Nickelback. Or God. Nickelback. Oh, the oh, you're in a divorce Bro. dad rock, butt rock. And it's like, yeah. dude, like, 
get out of here, man. Like Nickelback changed my fucking life, dude. Like get so don't that's even. That's my guilty pleasure music, a hundred percent. Oh, dude, no guilty what? pleasure. It's just as, pleasure. As a as a teenager, I was an absolute dickhead to my mom about Nickelback. And you know what? If mom, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. I love you. You were right the entire time. <laughs> dude, Nickelback slaps. Don't I grew up with that shit, dude. Like well, that was and so did I. My yeah. my parents put it on all the time, but then it got popular to hate butt rock, you know, yeah. right? But Nickelback is great. Nickelback is great. And you know what? They're um, much like me in the Black Parade, there are some Nickelback songs that my mom can't listen to just because of the memory and, and the the feelings around it to go back to that emotional point. It's just genuinely beautiful how people can connect and and resonate for different reasons on the same song, even like the Tangled Up in You story that you and I just shared. Um, I, I don't, I don't know, man. Music's a beautiful thing. It, it, it bewilders me genuinely. <laughs> yeah, it's it's something that like even to me, man. Like ten years, oh, actually, fuck, more like twelve years now at this point. Um, I look back on, I cannot be in a room with somebody if certain songs come on. I'll like, aside from my wife, like I'll, I'll be cool with that. Cause I know like, I'm just going to start crying. And it's oh, like, absolutely. I, um, dude, any, any time that, um, remember everything my five figure death punch comes on, shut it the fuck down. I, like, <laughs> Oh, I, I literally am just like, well, that's it for me for the day. Like, I just I yeah. There's there's another um, there's a Metallica song that's that's also one that resonates with me a lot, um, and I don't know why because I it's it's kind of it's called Hero of the Day. It's from Load, Fuck right? You, it's it's the only song they've ever written that was in like a major key, and mm -hmm. I don't know why it resonates with me so much. Um, it's kind of like a mental health struggle song, so I guess maybe that. But that's one that I have to skip because I will cry if I hear it. But it's it's such a beautiful song, and um, I guess fun fun little fact of trivia: John Mayer said that's his favorite Metallica solo from that song. So check it out because John Mayer is actually sick as fuck. That's another one that gets memed on that I don't think should be. Fun fact, also for you folks at home who may not know, uh, Load is my favorite Metallica record. Me too. High five. Yes, fuck yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, it, for me, a Metallica song that, again, every time I hear it, and I hear it on the radio once in a while too, which always hypes me up because I love the song, but it brings me back to when I was like fucking 16 thinking I was going through this oh, super intense breakup, bro. Like, you know, uh, and it was uh, The Unforgiven 2. Oh, I love The Unforgiven 2. I fucking, every time I hear it, I'm just like, oh, I'm 16 years old again. Just so like, it's that, that country western stuff, bro. Yeah, dude. Oh, there's some good that's, shit in there, man. That's why chapter one is probably like my favorite creation is is uh, all, all the southern and, and yeah, country dude. influence on it, man. Fuck it's, yeah, dude. It's both worlds for me together. Well, talking on load and reload and all that. Um, I mean, I, I also heard you mention earlier, and that's my boy, so I gotta I gotta ask. So you mentioned how Jason You said had an influence on you in the early days. How underrated is Jason You said as a Metallica bass player? Um it's K, so this is gonna sound very dick righty, but absolutely underrated uh for every aspect 
you know, he's got three fucking songwriting credits, but I, I think genuinely there was nobody else to fill those shoes. He did so many different things like live. He was incredible. He was the biggest thing. And that's the biggest influence for my live show is to be over the top, larger than life, uh, make your bass guitar fucking roar. You know, just seeing that guy on stage be a fucking animal. It, it, I have to do it. I have to do it. That, that is what it is. You know, um, I have some friends. Um, they're called the nobodies. They called me Jason Thickstead, which was really fucking funny. <laughs> they did that once. Um, so shout out the nobodies. Love them. <laughs> um, so I, I think that was literally like the best compliment ever. I, a, a lot of friends in the States are like, oh man, if Jason Newstead saw you, you'd be proud. And I'm like, Woody though, Woody, I'm basically just doing what he does. <laughs> I think he would. I, th- I think that's the cool thing about Jason is like he, um, especially now, like not so much back in the day, like when he first left Metallica, he was very much like, you know, about the whole thing. But now it's like, especially when he made his comeback, which mm. I love that fucking EP. I love the record, just, but the record doesn't exist anymore. I don't know what happened. It just disappeared. Uh, it just fell oh. off the face of the yeah. earth. Uh, I don't know. Um, I saw that. I saw him on Gigantour and then the Toronto Encore where he sang Phantom Lord with Megadeth. Like that was a big thing for me too. Um, little little 16-year-old Zach just over the fucking moon just seeing his idol on stage. Like Soldier Head is uh, actually in my routine practice. If, every day I play it at least once. That's awesome. Is there any other uh, classic Newstead bass lines that you uh, that you rip a lot? Or, uh, well, I'm I'm gonna let you take a guess. Well, there's two that comes to mind. One is the one everyone says, which is blackened. Yeah, and then there's the thing I can't pick up a guitar without playing it, and that's my friend in misery. I I do both pretty pretty routinely. Yeah, um, whole songs. Um. Except for my friend of misery, I do the uh, the cunning stunts big bass solo. Dude, get the fuck yeah. out of here! Oh yeah, so <laughs> that's that was actually um, I took I think it was like three days as a teenager, and I'm just like I'm gonna learn this. This is exactly how it should be, 100 percent all the time. And now that I learned it, that's just something that I play. I just like fucking sad music, man. <laughs> Dude, I I still to this day, like like I said, I'm not joking when I say I pick up a guitar. I can't pick up a guitar without strumming all the, the, the without strumming the chords from Nutshell by Allison Chains. Oh and yeah. playing My Friend in Misery, like it's just like that. my ticks. I have to do it. I um, you can tell yeah. so much about an instrument by how My Friend of Misery sounds on it. <laughs> that um, cunning stunts version. Because mm. it has the the intro part, which is like that. I mean, I, need, I don't need to sit here and mouth the part out, you know. But like, then the strumming part. Well, I guess I, I don't think that's cunning sense. I think that's an earlier one. He did that version of My Friend of Misery, where it's like he like does like a fast strumming version of it. Yeah, um, that's that's the Black Album one. Um, yes, right. Okay. 
But yeah, yeah, it, yeah it's yeah. funny you mentioned that, dude. Like I just, my friend and I back in the day, man, we learned that thing through and through. He went and bought a wah pedal so he could do Kirk's part. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I love that. That's man. wild, dude. <laughs> um, so my friend of misery is one thing that I use to test instruments out. And another one that I use, um, quite ironically, because I'm not a huge fan of Megadeth, is Peace Cells. Like that bass intro, that boo do do do. Like I do that. That's probably the first thing that I play whenever I have a new instrument. Well, Dave Elfson was stole. It honestly was is a, a phenomenal bass player. Yeah, like he, he always. Was, as um, much as I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be a huge Megadeth fan. Mad respect to the to the what they've what they did and what they still are doing. Um, Dave Elfson is like he's one of those like seasoned guys who like he's he's done so many different types of music as well. I mean, he's best known for Megadeth, obviously, but like mm-hmm. you know, he's the other member of Megadeth, right? Like <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah, uh, oh yeah, Dave Mustaine sure, and sure. their cast of characters in featuring you know dave elson but like um yeah it's like he, he's one of those guys who like he, he is a little underrated too as far as what he brings to the table yeah 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 like um it's really it's really hard to even kind of undermine him because he was pretty integral not only like sonically but but musically there's like poison was the cure was one that i can think of i believe that was his songwriting credit but even so like can you really imagine another bass player playing stuff like that no (laughs) well then on top of it too he's just um an incredible musician he's like you said he's well seasoned but like you know you can look at his left hand like he's got really good economy of motion he's a pick player which i really enjoy because you know newstead but and then people are always going to be like oh he's obviously the better bass player which is fine but newstead just has that vibe man he's just that's that's fucking that's this general newstead bro don't even don't at me don't anyone who don't get me wrong cliff was the fucking man i'm not gonna sit here and say i didn't go through my cliff phase but like dude like (laughs) First time, first time you see him just do his thing, you're like, oh, that's just like, that's just, that's the man. That's the guy. Absolutely. Like just, I, I, I remember hearing someone call him General Newstead. General and, Newstead. And I was just like, yeah, like he's that up makes there sense. just, and you know, and he's he up commands there. the stage. Yes. Like he's just such a huge presence. Well, like, um let's 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 backtrack a little bit like you know hearing metallica i was 14 when i first figured out what they looked like and and used the wonderful resource of youtube to see live videos i saw it it was toshino airfield you know 1.5 million people you know just james and lars like starting enter sandman this dude comes out like a fucking rocket windmills jumping basically like punching his base and i'm like yeah that's the guy that's who i want to play like (laughs) it's straight up it was beautiful and and my man had like a few songwriting credits right like it's just it's kind of hilarious to think about man his his influence like um i mean for me like you know we're talking about load and reload era like 
I mean, I'm just looking because I was curious. So he, so that's, um, it's black and my friend of misery and where the wild things are all three. Apparently he has, no, he doesn't have one there either. Yeah. Black and my friend of misery, um, where the wild things are. And there was another one that I always forget about and I'm trying really I'm pretty sure it's just the three. I swear to God. There was another one, and it was off of. I thought it, I thought he had a credit on Bad Seed for some reason. Oh yeah, I could see it. Um, yeah, well, it's just where the wild things, things are. Okay, did. interesting. Uh, huh. Like load and and reload were especially really cool for me because you know you know obviously he used a bunch of gear and I'm a big fucking gear nut, but like you know he was introducing like slap bass, he was doing a bunch of other things. Um, and and contrary to popular belief, uh, Jason Newstead is actually where I found Dingwall basses from because he used one to record on like all the slap bass parts in load were on a Dingwall Prima Voodoo. And I thought that was really, really cool. So I'm like, what the fuck are these? And, you know, typing on my computer. <laughs> and I love the I love the sound design there. Good job. Oh, uh, that- <laughs> Um, and, and that's ultimately how I found Nolly and how, uh, uh, Periphery and then Meshuga and just all those big prog bands. Cause you know, I'm familiar with jazz and, and big band stuff and, and orchestras at that point because of my dad who, um, I, I need to backtrack for a second because he also introduced me to more Z and the Smiths. So shout out dad, love you. Um, but that's how I found heavy music was, you know, the the gatekeeper drug or whatever it is, gateway drug. Uh, a- anyway, it was it was a dingwall bass. Uh, <laughs> um, so so that was cool. And honestly, I don't really listen to a lot of heavy stuff, like I said. But like that that prog stuff or or the thal death metal, I guess is is where I in thrash, obviously. Like that stuff's just wicked especially from a bass standpoint like you know especially if you grew up with like you know with all due respect to some of my favorite music even it's like there's not a lot of a lot of interesting stuff happening on bass all the time sometimes you're just kind of holding it down on the open e like you know what i mean like it's (laughs) oh i'm perfectly fine with that too uh like yeah, well, David Ellison was a big one. Alex Webster, Cannibal Corpse, Nolly, uh, Devin Townsend in general, just stuff like that. That was really formative for like my teenage years. But like now, like I, I really just don't listen to it. And I think that kind of gives me a, a bit of a unique perspective when it comes to songwriting. Yeah, I think sometimes it's cool to be outside your bubble, you know. I'm I'm definitely the guy outside of the bubble at this point. <laughs> like even Max listens to like really heavy. Like he loves like Wayne Static and like industrial stuff, uh, and, and that stuff's really cool. Like he puts it on and I jam with it in the car, especially Static X. I really think that's cool. Fuck yeah, dude! But but they're all they're all into like deathcore and hardcore, like uh, you know Alpha Wolf and Knock Loose or, or Hatebreed that stuff kind of comes to mind. I really like old style hardcore or like DB, like discharge is really cool. 
But, yeah, it's, um, don't be around me when Hatebreed comes on. <clears throat> I, uh, yeah. <laughs> Someone else takes over my body when I hear Hatebreed. Uh, okay, Kyle, stop punching holes bro, in the drywall. Bro, if you Go give me a monster. green monster energy and put on destroy everything, I will fucking lose my shit. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Hatebreed was super, super cool. But I, I think also it's because like I'm so late to the game with the super heavy stuff. Uh, I'm still kind of quite rooted into like the jazz and the fusion and, and proggy kind of stuff. Like that's, that's super, super fun with me. Yeah. Well, and that's even, even like me, honestly, like I didn't really start getting into heavy stuff, um, until like a few years ago, like really heavy stuff. It wasn't really until I started the podcast and like I started, interviewing bands that were like you know deathcore bands and stuff and i was kind of like what is this deathcore stuff and yeah you know, now it's like sure. oh this is the shit this is awesome like <laughs> like all the local guys i i can definitely say are in my uh musical repertoire like beguiler like i love gordon jake like they're Dude, super super sick it's i so love beguiler it's so funny you mentioned beguiler because to be brutally honest with you jacob and beguiler are one of the reasons i like deathcore like straight oh, up really and i've told yeah, him that yeah, before yeah. i was like there because i've interviewed those guys a shit ton they've been on the show a bunch but like i i said to jacob your voice is legit one of my favorite deathcore voices <clears throat> as oh, far as like vile yeah dude it. um i had you know i i really like Sohn. i really love seagrave like they're oh yeah dude chris crazy. is chris is my um, boy man he's the best but at There's the same a band time, Ida's too that I really like. Yes. I can't really call them deathcore. They're like super, kind of like doom. Yeah. But it's it's based as fuck, dude. I just love that shit. Oh, jeez. Like the local guys around here, they got such talent, and I hear it, and it's actually stuff that I'm like, yeah, yeah, like this is sick as fuck. Yeah, there's something to be said for when you hear <clears throat> a local band, and you're like, you know, let's be honest. There's that thing of like well i'm going to support them either way you know that's the boys but then you hear it and you're like oh shit <laughs> like yeah just, I, yeah dude <laughs> you're like oh i shit, actually had is- a lot of that with uh pound of flesh right because they're like oh like zach joined the metal band again her <laughs> and there <laughs> then uh i had some friends come up and they went what the fuck was that <laughs> Well, the second and, you hear Pound of Flesh, like, you're just like, what is happening here? Like, it's... Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 like I said uh, a little while ago, like, Pound of Flesh is really melding, like, the kind of heavier, albeit, like, limited repertoire that I really like. And the country music that I grew up with and, and hated on as a teenager to try and look cool. But ultimately, like, when I did session stuff, it was all country shit and that was cool well and that's what's so interesting about like your journey to joining the band which i wanted to ask about like it's almost like having that background in country a little bit and stuff like it's got to lend itself really well to when you hear you know the boys be like oh listen man we got a banjo and we tuned it to g sharp and it's, it's, it's just ripping bro like <laughs> um yeah so and it's also like a different world too right like when i was when i was a session player uh i can really only 
name two because there was only two that i really did gigs for one was an artist named rebecca stevens she's awesome um she she does a lot of like kind of super radio country stuff but when we show up you know it was a lot of like festivals and like backline was already there i just had to show up with the bass and be in tune and be able to play the songs which was a lot a lot of fun and we we didn't haven't done that since 2019 so uh rebecca get gigs please um <laughs> but uh listen rebecca it's your boy tj listen <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, make it happen. No. It, it, but it was, it was, it was crazy. Uh, the first gig I ever did with Rebecca was because of my friend Dan. Uh, he's a drummer, uh, Daniel Farmer, absolutely incredible, incredible drummer. He he teaches kids. He found his purpose. So he basically kind of does live shows more as a favor to people that he likes. And he calls me and he goes, "Hey." do you know a guitar player and a bass player? And I went, yeah, me and me. So I had to find another uh, bass player. Uh, so he calls me and uh, he's like, I, I need someone for three hours, for three hours worth of music. And I said, oh, cool. When's the gig? And he's like, six days. <laughs> um so i had to pull a guitar player out of my ass and um that that was basically my introduction to session playing and becoming a better musician because dan pounded music into my head and getting good but it was insane I, and and we played a, a a good handful of gigs uh, I've done some church work for, for Dan. We did an Easter ceremony and then we've also worked with another artist called Sean Jameson and we've done some gigs with him and that was really, really cool. I really like his stuff. So I, I'm going to plug that, like, go listen to Rebecca, go listen to Sean. And, uh, there was another band. It was a punk band and it was a, a duo band. So it was drum and bass. <laughs> and called waste youth and i i played i think it was two or three shows with them and that was that was basically it it was short-lived um because of covid but like dan's also another really cool kind of dude and uh, chris the new bass player does a lot of cool stuff there too it's awesome it's, it's cool to be able to see people evolve too right when other yeah. people like join the bands and stuff like it's cool to be able to look back on stuff you did with homies and be like oh like that's cool to see like it's it's not like it's like a oh like oh could have done better or whatever <laughs> oh yeah absolutely it's cool to be able to do that but how how exactly did the boys approach you to join the band was it literally just like hey dude like come join our band here's what we're doing like um yeah, actually. So, uh, like, I have a um, li little bit of lore for you. I've known Zach since I was like an uh, like a, a a teenager. There was a block over. There was a house where a band uh, lived, and they did live shows. And my neighbor, her name is Nora Jean. She used to take me over all the time. That's how I knew Zach. And then I knew him like playing through Seagrave and Heir to the Throne and stuff like that. And then he reaches out to me. So he goes, "What are you doing musically these days?" And I'm like, "Oh." Well, uh, nothing and he goes ah oh, fuck do you want to listen to something and he says sure he sends it to me 
And I go, this is awesome. He goes, all right, cool. So uh, you want to come jam? And I said, sure. And so I never really knew Shane. Like I knew of Shane. So I didn't know how to uh, kind of vibe with him just yet. So I showed up in the most comedic fucking clown ass get up. I wore like basketball shirt or basketball shorts and I love Jesus hat and a shirt that says, please be patient. I have autism. And I, I showed up with my Chapman bass and a dark glass head. And he's like, Oh, well, like, did you learn the songs? And I'm like, well, yeah. And he's like, how? And I'm like, well, I just listened to them. And then I, I played them all back and they were kind of like looking at each other. Cause they must've thought I was fucking crazy at that point. And then I'm like, Oh, cool. So am I in the band? They say, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to work now. And then I, I went home and ate soup because I just was uncomfortable. <laughs> that's exactly how you describe that. That's how I would be in that exact situation. So that's what's making me <laughs> chuckle. But like, yeah, it's just, this is like, cool. So like, am I in the band? They're probably just like, uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's funny because uh, now it's like a, a running joke. Like Zach's like, oh, don't, don't worry. Murder face will learn it through osmosis. And uh, <laughs> like I I had a mustache murder at the time face. and and it made me look like murder face from Death Clock. And I, I do the voice really well too. So Oh please gr- can you grace us with that voice real quick? No, okay, never. That's fine. Maybe 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 uh off record. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Cause I uh yeah, that's that's as soon as you said that, I was like, Oh god. Um he'll learn it through osmosis. <laughs> Yeah, no, that like it's a it's a recurring joke because um like they're like cool I'll send you the tabs I'm like y- you don't need to I can learn it and um yeah I showed up and I just played there was like I think two songs which ended up being Crossroad Boogeyman and Fafo were the two songs and I'm like yeah yeah like that's fine I can do these. <laughs> what was like so if those are the first two songs was. Was Crossroads Boogeyman the one that kind of made you go like, okay, this is like, this is really cool and unique style for what these guys are doing. Yeah. 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 So that was the first song that Zach sent. And I was like, oh, this is fucking sick. Uh, It gave like Maylene and the Sons of Disaster vibes, uh, Holly Springs Disaster, like that kind of like Southern old tough boy. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I can do this. Like, this is really cool. And um, I, I honestly, the rest is history. How was that first show playing with them? Because at the time, were you guys a, a six piece, a seven piece, a twelve piece? How many people were in the band at the time? When you- um, so, so at that point, it was it was five. Um, it was a guitar player Cody Avon, who I love very, very much. He's uh, super, super, super cool uh, and incredibly talented, and and does all our art and. Oh my God, man. He's, he's just awesome. I miss him a lot. He, he brought like a really cool vibe and just, just fucking shreds. Max shreds just as good too. He is, he has the same kind of vibes. So it's not like any shoes are, are, are being like not as filled. Cause I love Max so much, but I also just love Cody. He's, he's my boy. Um, and then a drummer and then Zach and I and Shane, and then uh then we added that other guy who did singing 
and that drummer left because there was some complications. So then that's Brady. And then Dylan joined because we all decided more was more. And then why have other... one rhythm guitar when you can have two? <laughs> Quite literally. So we were, uh, then there was a joke where it was redneck periphery and now it was a redneck slipknot because then we had two vocalists. But uh, that other guy, um, you know, all due respect, had some stuff going on. So now it's just the, the six of us again. It was just weird. Well, it's so fun because, like, I, I think that it's interesting to look at when you have so much changes in, in a band. Because, you know, you're still relatively a new band. Like, you know, yeah, right? so, it, but, but now but, it feels like you guys have things locked in really good now. Th- yeah, this is the unit, right? Like, Zach and Dylan are really good rhythm players. Like, they got tight right hands. Max does some of the coolest, like, most searing leads. And you know what? I think he's the tightest guitar player of the three, but he just likes to do whatever he can. And I think that's so cool. Brady is incredible. He's a great guy. He's super funny. He's a great drummer. Uh, and then Shane is just a fucking wet. I, I, I put him kind of like Devin Townsend. Like he's a little, a little out there, a little wacky, a little kooky, but he can do anything and everything. Like, if if we all left the band, like Pound of Flesh could still like go on just through Shane, straight up. It's cool to have cats like that around though, right? Like to just Oh, absolutely. Like, you know that like if like, oh hey, I have this idea for a song and it's like, okay, send me the riff. Well, here's the whole song. Like it's just yeah, like straight up. Like, <laughs> here's I, the idea. Like <laughs> Yeah, it, it was it was awesome. And and straight up, like I would not trade or replace anybody in this band because everyone brings something really cool our dynamic is is there and it's six dudes with larger than life personalities so i mean obviously we're gonna butt heads but i traveling you know the province and and hopefully a little bit more this year like i i wouldn't trade any of those moments for the world they they are pretty much just a second family at this point and uh, i'll i'll die by my brother's that's awesome, man. Well, and that's the true test of not only friendship, but also a working relationship. If you can get in a van and just be around each other for like a while <laughs> and just still be cool at the end of it, it's like, okay, like this is, that's true. That's the true test of being around people's quirks and smells and <laughs> Like it's oh just, yeah, like, yeah. We're, we're all pretty stinky, so we just kind of so like, cares? yeah, it's like oh, we fuck gave it. up. We're like, yeah, <laughs> we're just six smelly ass dudes, so we'll just fucking give up. Like, um, what was it? It was a couple of days ago. Even Shane was like, yeah, man, like your your hair is looking really good, and I'm like, thanks. It's the three days of no showering from being depressed. <laughs> It's like, oh, say, bro. Like, yeah, like, and he he was basically like, oh, I understand what that feels like, and then yeah. we just went, oh, okay, <laughs> and just like moved on. It's just oh, like, quite, yeah, quite literally, and and you know, um, it's it's really funny because we feed into each other like out of pocket stuff, and and we're all gear snobs. We're all gear snobs, uh, gear whores, even they're just 
you go to Dylan's house and he has like eight or nine guitars. He has a super limited edition amp. He has a whole bunch of old trainer stuff. Max is, has so many. Shane has like 40 guitars and like several different amplifiers. And I have like two basses and that's it. That's all you really need. Let's be honest. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I have the precision base and the Chapman is elsewhere. So I have another precision base. Nice. Now, as we get ready to kind of wind down here, I want to ask for you right now, what is like the dream setup as far as if, if I could have like anything like as in um like for this band or just in general let's do for this band and then and then also in general um so for this band probably i'd probably go back to dark glass stuff some sort of uh like x900 or they're doing like a combo amp that can do an external speaker that fills a lot of voids for me cuz i don't like pedals but i do need to use effects sometimes and they have the infinity coming out so probably something like that an extension cab and a couple ding walls because we definitely need it for that low tuning and then uh outside of that um i, I basically have it like a couple precision bases and and maybe a uh, a fretless base down the road yeah those fretlesses are always fun I, they trip me out, but they're always fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, that's where ear training comes in because you have to be really precise. You have to have good intonation with stuff like that. Yeah, and you got guys like me over here who are just like, guitars go gunk gunk. Like that's, you know, that's... Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I should probably get back into playing more guitar for sure. Oh, you have to. You know, you got to... Sometimes you got to just add a couple strings and riff out, you know? Yeah, Something yeah. Uh, I basically so I had a really, really nice collection of of like old, older, like some Norland era Gibsons and some USA made Epiphone acoustics and stuff. And I was just like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> and nah, I, I you know what? Let's get rid of this. I don't need it. <laughs> yeah, I just I just sold them all. Um, main, mainly for for car parts and a dingwall, but um. And now I don't even have the dingwall, so like, <laughs> what am I doing Shit. with my life? <laughs> oh no! It's it's fine. It's uh, fine. I'm uh, I'm probably gonna get something back anyway. Yeah, it's, dude, the you, multi scale you is just too good. Yeah, you gotta you gotta spoil yourself and get some stuff. And trust me, I sold all my stuff, and now I'm sitting here like, all I got is like my old acoustic, which I love. That's my boy. But I'm like, ah, you know, if I oh, could go absolutely. back, if I could go back, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My uh, like I was telling you before this, like my biggest regrets were getting rid of my Dingwall bases. So yeah, those are definitely on the uh, on the the list of priorities, which they probably shouldn't be. But let's be real here. Um, not nothing is like those bases. They are absolutely incredible, and it's a Canadian company. So why not be patriotic? Hell yeah! Oh Canada, bro. That's what's up. That's what's up. Well, listen, as we uh, are just getting ready to, to end off here, there's a staple question I always ask people. So I wanted to ask you real quick here. Mm -hmm. Do you have a story from your favorite show 
or your least favorite show because something really funny but bad happened since your time with Pound of Flesh? You can tell me. Uh, I think my favorite show straight up was uh, was Heavy Lindsay, the one that you Hell came yeah. to. Because um, I was there, bro. No, kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely grateful. Me that and you're half there, of but... Lindsay showed up. It's, yeah, it was cool. Uh, <laughs> so the last time I played a show in Lindsay was exactly a decade, like um, almost to the day. It was. It would have been like 2013. I played a show in December with like some shitty metal band, and then nothing ever came of that ever again. And then bam, uh, you know, a decade goes by with like no local shows, and then I was like, "What the fuck?" Right? Because it was all people I've never met before, and then a couple of really good friends just showed up, and they're like, "Hey, like, let's have a good time." And then they stayed, and they were like, "What the." fuck was that just they just never saw it play before and that was really cool for me i would love to do that again that's awesome man i mean it was a cool venue pie monk i mean i told the story before about my wedding and all that shit there and so like being able to see a band in the place where like i had my first dance at my wedding and shit i was like this is fucking sick like this is so it was a special place for me but then also the turnout was just wild and i heard like you know the the person who put it all together at the end she was talking about how like she didn't know how this was going to go but she really wanted to try it and like i think you'll see that happen again there and i really hope it does because it was a wild awesome night what a killer fucking lineup yeah absolutely oh man it was it was uh so bewildering for me just to see my 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 hometown just go oh man we really want this because nobody wants to fucking do anything in Lindsay. <laughs> i feel like that's slowly starting to change i feel i feel oh, like you're gonna start 100%. seeing more shows so that that makes me excited being you know yeah i'm in peterborough but you know i got i got love for Lindsay. you know so it's like i'd like to see more stuff like that happen there for sure have to hundred percent, bro. Have to put shows there and everything. But listen, Zach, man, it's been a pleasure getting the chat with you. I appreciate the time. Uh, where can the good people find you and the band if they want to check you guys out on social media? Uh, you can literally find us anywhere. We're on, uh, well, except for Twitter, because fuck Twitter. But we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. It's Pound of Flesh SOS. Find us on Threads. Uh, follow the individual members on Instagram. Pound of whatever. I'm floof because I'm fluffy and just you can find our music wherever music is being streamed. Hell yeah, dude. Appreciate the time, man. Thanks very much. Raise the I horns up again you, man. real quick you. for, for you and, and general Newstead. <laughs> general Newstead. Brother. All right. Thanks, man. No problem. All right, folks, there you have it in my chat with Zach Smith from Pound of Flesh. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed recording it. Big shout-outs to Zach for being just a, a one-of-a-kind individual. That was uh, really genuinely a pleasure getting to record that with you, buddy. So thank you. And thank you so much for listening, especially if you're still listening. It means the world to me. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you enjoyed this episode. Leave a rating. Five-star ratings help this podcast grow. So if you think this conversation deserves a five-star rating, Go ahead and leave one and be sure to go check out Pound of Flesh 
wherever you get your music. I'll have a link down below in the description of this podcast to their link tree, in which you can check out their stuff, including their latest single, Black Mirror. Go check it out. And if you get a chance to see them live, you need to do that <laughs> because they are a pleasure to watch do their thing. And they just destroy every stage they come across. <laughs> so big shouts again to Zach and the boys in Pound of Flesh. Before we go here today, I of course want to take a second to give a shout out to my Patreon supporters, my hardheads. We of course have Ronan Komori, Wolf Delta Pi, Eric Phones, C.M. Peters, Jason Reese, Kelly Sisson, Terry and Janet Hodder, Brandon Bowden, Neil Skarupa, and Ian Hall. Thank you guys so much for all the support. It truly means the world to me. I appreciate every single one of you for taking the time to not only help financially support this podcast, but also just support me. Let's be honest. This podcast would not be running without your guys' support. I'm just going to be brutally honest with you. I've had some uh, issues lately with uh, programs and things of that nature, and the Patreon funding has been a godsend to be able to keep this show going. So. Thank you all very much for the support on that, especially at this stage of the game. We're rounding up on 400 episodes, and that's uh, that's pretty wild. And I have no signs of slowing down or stopping this podcast or anything, but the fact that we're nearing 400 episodes, and there's especially a few of you who have now been around for over two years very soon, and that you've been around supporting the show longer. I mean, Jason has been around since day one. Brandon's been around since day one. Terry and Janet Hodder have literally been around since day one. Um, <laughs> so it just uh, it means a lot to me. So thank you guys so very much for all of the support. With that, I'm going to sign off here today. Thank you guys so very much again for listening. Check out Pound of Flesh. Check out The Hodder Show wherever you get your podcasts and on social media. Also, we have a Discord. Go ahead and uh, shoot me a message if you want to join the Discord. We have a lot of fun over there. I'm going to start being a lot more active in the next coming weeks for that. It's been a little quiet, but I promise, guys, I'm going to be back at it doing live stream stuff. Hopefully at least uh, two, three times a week. We'll see what happens, though. But I'm hoping at least to get a live stream once or twice a week going again. So stay tuned for that. And with that, I will catch you next time right here on The Hotter Show. Take it easy, guys. <laughs>